Welcome to the Nerd Tutorial Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and, tu- and tutorials about nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today is myself, your nerdy tutor, George, and with me today, a professional traveler, my mom. Oh, I'm a professional traveler. I've always considered you a professional traveler. I've always, uh, you always go to a lot of places. You've done a lot of planning for all your vacations. That's and true. I have a women's travel group. I plan yeah. for 16. I think you have our own like little, that. you do a little blog or something about your travels or you update a website too. Yeah, I do. So I would consider you a professional traveler. I am not a professional traveler. I'm a professional con goer, but not a professional traveler. Okay. And so the reason we talk about professional travel and the reason we talked about uh, Japanese manga last time is that we're going to Japan. Yay! In about two weeks. Less than. Less, yes. Um, My office is already in a panic. Oh, I feel so bad at work, too. I feel guilty for going because I just got a new job. And I'm just like, but at the same time, I haven't gone on vacation for like a long period of time. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. So we're going to Japan. And so you might wonder, why are we going to Japan? I've always wanted to go to Japan. (laughs) And I've always made you go where I wanted to go. So you've gone backpacking through Guatemala. Um, Which was fun at the end of the day. Don't, I mean, like, it's weird. like, as much as those bumpy roads were very bumpy roads. Well, I like the thing where we were backpacking on the Snaky Trail, and when he said Snaky Trail, I, met, I said, oh, you mean like Windy? He said, no, there are snakes. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we went backpacking in Guatemala for, for six days, six nights. Six, seven days or something yeah. like that. Yeah, with mules and a muleteer. They got us mules. lost. Oh, yeah, no, no. It, I still remember the night in which you scared the crap out of a turkey out of a out of a tree. Yeah, that was that's a good story actually. Yeah. Or or the my fa- one of my favorite times is like, "Mom, there's a scorpion in my tent." Oh, hold on, let me get my camera. Yeah, you told me that was the wrong response. <laughs> in yeah. hindsight, it's a funny it's it's the perfect sitcom response, but <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we are we are actually um, as travelers this time taking backpacks and tell us why we are taking backpacks. Because we are going not just to one place in Japan, we're going to many places in Japan. And because I got a backpack for Christmas. You did get a backpack for Christmas. Beautiful backpack for Christmas with lots of pockets, too. There's a it lot of... zips. It's actually a very practical travel backpack. Yes. Um, so the greater question a lot of times is, why are we going to Japan? Well, not mostly just because I want to go to Japan, but why did I choose Japan as the place I want to go to? I've been fascinated with Japan and Japanese culture for just like probably ever since before I even left for college I've always found like again like my my entry to Avenue was obviously Japanese animation and manga and then obviously video games as well but like through that lens of that I've found found like this unique kind of environment where like it's what I call the kitchen sink syndrome they try everything in Japan and they never know what's going to be popular and what's not going to be popular. So that's why you get, like, weird stuff that always comes out of Japan. Because Japan is always the opinion that, like, hey, we'll try it. If it doesn't work, great. We'll move on to the next thing. You know, like, we won't spend too much money on this. Or if we spend a lot of money on it, great. Now other people know not what not to do. You know? But again, like, they come... But again, like, in Japan, uh, I find, like, they just have such a creative sort of environment that they create so much stuff. But when you look at their look at the people like they seem like they just don't want to bother anybody but it's again it's the land in which you get a lot of like weird a lot of weird stuff because they try everything i mean like who would have known that tentacles would have been a thing ever unless japan decided to give it a try well and i guess i guess that's one of the 
one of the interesting things is that so much of this does focus on um, when you look at blogs and things on Japan on food mm-hmm. because there are is so much different food. There's a lot of different food varieties there. And again, they're not just limited to like seafood in a lot of cases as we might consider traditional like sea like, you know, sushi dishes and things like that. Like they have like an entire region of their uh, of their country that's devoted just to beef. And like even Kobe just like, beef, it's world famous. Oh yes, yes. And we're doing that, right? Yes, we are. Okay. I've, I've actually just been emailing with another person here about sake tasting in one of the places that we're at. Um, trying to talk, and the guy I think is trying to talk me into going in the middle of the afternoon. I was like, I don't know if I want to be drunk that early in the afternoon, but maybe in the evening? It's like, oh, we get really busy in the evenings. It's like, oh, okay, well, maybe in the afternoon. We'll see. We're flexible. We're flexible. Yeah. No, and... I still do yoga. And that day we were going to go visit uh, a castle. But we're not going to talk about what we're going to do in Japan here just yet. This that's, is, yeah, that's not the purpose of this week's no, podcast. No, okay. this, this podcast is all about what we're doing in preparation before we go to Japan. So, um, so what are we doing to get ready here, primarily? Well, I'm... In, in my mom's case, my mom isn't really preparing this trip at all. Which is weird for me, because usually I'm the planner. Yes. And, and, and other people just show up and go along for the ride. And it's really odd having the shoe on the other foot. Yes. And so I'm doing a lot of um, trying to figure out what we're going to do each day. And I'm trying to... I know where we're going to be at each day, essentially. We're in several different places. We're in some places for multiple days. Um, but a lot of it I want, but a lot of it is just very much kind of ad hoc and very much kind of as we go walk along. Um, there are some things that have planned that we were going that we're going to do, um, but a lot of it's just kind of getting lost and seeing what we see in that particular area, and so a lot of so that's a lot of what my intent is to try to find us cool stuff to do. Okay. Um, so what tools what tools have you been using to do that? I've been using a lot of guidebooks primarily, and I've also been doing, watching some blogs as well. So like each of the different areas we're going to, I've been reading. Um, usually like YouTube travel vlogs or YouTube people that live in Japan who are like, oh yeah, you have to go here, you have to go see this, stuff like that. That's how we found the, uh, that's how you found the place in uh, Kyoto with the, uh, the, 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 the Starbucks. Starbucks. Yes. So there's a new, fairly, fairly new, just opened in 2019, um, Starbucks in a, in a 200 year old building and they have kept the building intact and, and, um, you can drink your Starbucks and have a Japanese tea tea experience while doing it. Oh yeah, no, it's got so you the order in one room and then they whisk you out of that room into another one where you actually pick up your drink and mm-hmm. choose your silk pillow and sit on the floor. Yeah, or and they have an upstairs seating area as well. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, no. Again, it's it looks very very cool and very unique. So, like that's kind of cool. I mean, um, but no, I've been using a lot of our the. Some guidebooks that I've since bought here, and then also um, watching a lot of travel things. Because again, I mean, like you can read the books, but they don't exactly give you like a great idea. A lot of cases, sometimes the travel blogs are just exactly what you're looking for. It's been interesting for me because what I have done is, is while I'm on the stationary bike in the morning, I've been searching YouTube travel blogs, mm-hmm. and um, I've I've always relied on guidebooks before, and from now on I won't. Um, I'll still continue to use them. Like there's the Eyewitness series, which I really like, mm-hmm. um, because it has drawings of of um, has really good detail architectural drawings. Yes. 
of the grounds of things mm -hmm. and that helps me sort of orient myself when i'm there yes um having seen the drawing beforehand so i, I particularly like that series but in the past i've always relied on travel books and this time after speaking to you i started looking at different travel blogs um there are a couple of people i really like um and i found that really helpful because there's stuff i didn't know it's and it's almost like an eyewitness account and one of the nice things i like about it is that some people have overlays of maps where they are and then other people have like we had obviously the video com component to it gives you a very good historical view of what you're looking at so you can be like that's just like the video we were here we're walking down the street with them yeah yeah and you get you get that perspective and you get that really kind of like i found it kind of useful because it's like oh i now definitely want to see this yeah you know stuff like that here um after watching several videos on on everything you can buy in the Daiso store, yes, yes, <laughs> the Daiso hundred yen store, which is the equivalent of like ninety cents. Um, yep, which is something we will, we will, we can definitely. We are we are souvenir shopping in the Daiso yen store. They've got I mean like like there are four or five videos that I viewed on that. Mm -hmm. Yo, no, yeah, no, those things are apparently a marvel of uh, of anything you would want to buy, anything you might necessarily need. For again, a hundred yen, which is about a about a dollar in yeah. U.S. currency. It's how I always remember U.S. currency versus Japanese yen. Yeah. So, but and I find it to be just like I'm super. Again, I'm super excited about seeing all sorts of different things there. Like, what are you excited to see, Mom? Okay, so um, first of all, I, I've uh, one of the unique things that you get when you're going to Japan. When I tell people I'm going to Ecuador, nobody asks me to bring them anything back. Mm -hmm. um, nobody really wanted anything from Morocco, which was stupid because Morocco has really cool stuff. Um, I've yet to go to Morocco without bringing back a couple thousand dollars in rugs, but um, <laughs> be because they do. But um, going to Japan, I have requests from people for things. Okay, so amongst the things I have requests to go purchase for people, um, Pokemon. Apparently, there are um, several different Pokemon stores, and it's one of the few places you can buy Pokeballs. I imagine so. Okay, and there are unique Pokemon that you can only get in the Japanese stores. Probably. Prob and each store has its own unique something that you can only get in that store. You won't even find it in another Pokemon store. It's unique to that store. Probably. Yeah, no, Japan has got... Japan does a really, really great job of doing, like, its own kind of internal marketing for whatever it is it has. Like, um, so an example here for the, for, to complement that is that, so Japan has kind of like its own kind of like social network sort of thing called Line. Mm -hmm. Or Lime. I can't remember what's an N or with an M. I want to say what's an M, so it's Lime. And uh, they have a mascot. By the way, there's a mascot for everything in Japan. Cities have mascots. Gots. Like, for, for example, the place we're going to, we're going to Nara. Guess what their mascot is? Oh, it's got to be the deer. It's a deer. Yeah. It's a very cool looking deer, too, actually. I would expect nothing less. Yes. So mascots are a big, mascots are a big thing. And I don't mean just like... Like a like a cartoon character. No, I mean like a person in a full body costume. Okay, so so um, and a lot of those actually come from the feudal days. A lot of the older cities mm -hmm. have mascots that originate from. Um, They're kind of their legend or their, their legend. historical importance. 
so it, one of the first things I did, and this is going back like six or eight months ago, because we've known we were going for nearly a year now, mm-hmm. um, was I read a book that took you through the history of Japan from from as far back as you, so you can possibly go. go. Yeah, yeah, uh, long book, audio book, very good. Um, and I would suggest that you do that. So because it was really interesting to read, even though the structures we're seeing in a lot of cases are fairly new, because Japan has earthquakes. It has earthquakes it has and tsunamis. fires. Yes, they have a lot of fires. So a lot of things were built from timber. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the structures we'll be seeing aren't as old as maybe you might see someplace else. Yes, that's true. Um, still, you don't really think of Japan as having castles, and it does. It has quite a number of castles. Yeah, and I found I found reading the feudal history really kind of helped me understand some of um, some of the customs as well. Mm-hmm. So, because it it, it um, understanding sort of the frame of mind, yes, um, sort of helps you because that's very visible throughout their history. It's kind of very much a part of their culture, very much still here now. Yeah, even, even as it's becoming a lot more westernized, like there's a certain element to their culture that's just not going away anytime soon. Yeah. So um, so so why why don't you talk about that for a second? Because I found that reflected in their history. So a lot of their culture has always been this kind of um, interesting take on always having like a war. Like there's always been like wars and fighting. It's kind of where the term samurai came from, which was, um, you know, that's why a lot of samurai actually had a lot of power back in the day. It was because mm-hmm. you were always going to war and you needed able-bodied soldiers and knights to kind of lead your stuff. It's not quite unlike, you know, London and you know feudal you know feudal medieval ages were medieval ages yeah pretty much much wherever you were medieval and but like it's it's interesting that in Japan it was never just one place or one thing versus another there's never like the English versus the French or the English versus versus like the Scottish or anything like that no it's like different like territories in Japan fighting with one another over the right to own their own land and it's super interesting to see how much fighting actually goes on for a long period of time and how little peace there was for a long period of time. I mean, you might get through stretches for 20, 30 years without any fighting, but then you'd have another one here just shortly thereafter. And and, and they took that outside of their own borders as well. Yes. Um, they, they took over portions of Manchuria on and off, even after the end of the Second World War, which I ha- hadn't been aware of. Yeah, they took over parts of Korea and... Were and and Taiwan. To, they were on and off mm-hmm. Taiwan. Yep, and starting to encroach, encroach on China. Um, in fact, actually, it's very little known that they were actually a part of the First World War in a very small capacity, but because they were part of it, they got to annex some land in um, northern China in northern China oddly enough even though China really wasn't that involved in first world war it's it was interesting reading their history I I think um, part of what I found um, uh, interesting was there were there were times when they um, went into other countries and it's such an honor-based society mm-hmm. that um, I have problems with the idea that they would go over and conquer somebody else 
when like they're very much honorable about them about themselves. Yeah. And and and, and the other thing I found uh, difficult to sort of reconcile was uh, that they were very isolationist for years and years and years. If you traded with Japan, mm-hmm. you, you were like a very rare person to do so. You were a rare person to do so, but you lived in a there was a particular port city mm-hmm. that was isolated where the trading took place you, if you were a right. foreigner you didn't leave that one little spot yeah so you didn't they were very concerned about maintaining their own culture and not allowing others to infiltrate it yeah this was a thing that happened in the 18th century when you started um, in the beginning of the early of the late 17th century going into the 18th century where japan was basically like like they had foreigners there and the foreigners we're not used to the Japanese customs, and the Japanese were very much the impression was like, "You're in our place. You need to respect our our oh, stuff yeah. here." And the yeah. foreigners were like, "What are you talking about? Like, this is not how the rest of the world does it. This is not how the rest of the world does it. Just because it's your place doesn't mean you can't share it." And then they were, like, and Japanese were like, "Okay, well then, we don't want anybody here." Yeah. And so basically decided, and now there was a small like port, this port city of I believe it was Portuguese. I want to say it uh-huh. was. Yeah, that um, was basically allowed to live there, but they weren't allowed to leave either. They weren't allowed to travel around. Nope, and they could only stay in this like one little port city. And um, if you had training there, you could have trading there. But even then, it was very, very small port. And um, and eventually, the eventually, I guess in like the late eighteen hundreds here, the Americans came by and said like, "Hey, we want to do business with you. Open up the gates." And they were like. No, we don't want to do business with, with you. you. Yeah, and the Americans were like, "No, you're gonna do business with, with us. us. We'll come back in it. We'll come back in like two years. And if you don't open up, we're gonna. We might have to do some talking." Yeah, and, yeah, they, we were very threatening. Um, but then they kind of. I think the Japanese quickly realized that this isolation and sort of uh, opinion uh, attitude here had actually made them fall behind in regards to the rest of the world, and they basically saw what the rest of the world was doing and was like oh we need to catch up in a hurry and and actually what what seemed to me to turn that was um the advent of the airplane and the the motor car well not even that i would say it was trains so okay trains and electricity were very much again because for one point here japan had no railway system at all and then like overnight it basically just started rebuilding just building massive amounts of railways which in in this point here while they're not the same railways that might have been there a hundred years ago they're very much the same intentions and they're known for their trains now oh yeah when in japan's um the best example i can always describe for japan is i had this we did this thing in seventh grade where the you know in world history where my teacher basically went okay we're gonna put 30 desks together i want 10 people to sit in these de- on anywhere in the any desk and this is the size of America. Now we took away like 10 desks. We had only 20 desks left. So like, okay, now put these desks together. 10 people sit down. Great. This is kind of like Europe at this point here. Now everybody onto one desk. That's Japan. Japan is a bit rather large population on a very small, small. piece of land. And they're um, intent on, very much intent on not ruining what is a lot of their like, forested areas and their culture there at all so they're not like bulldozing land all that often they build up um and there's also this aspect in japan where you don't um 
you don't necessarily want to bother other people, and that goes to a lot of different ways. In the in the sense, you don't want to bother people where you don't want to take up more space than you absolutely need to. So you might have an apartment space that's probably no bigger than like 300 square feet, which might be a large apartment space for you for for some people. That that might be like if you're a bachelor with like 300 square feet, it's like ooh man, you must live high. It's like it's 300 square feet to us. That's no bigger than the size of a hotel room, yeah. if not smaller. And that's also including, like, your kitchenish area, your bathroom. Like, I could not imagine living in... Well, I mean, I have lived in, like, less than 300 square feet before. But if you travel throughout Asia, you actually do see... You know, a kitchen is not a kitchen. It's it's a hot plate and a sink. It's a hot plate and a sink, or it's, like... And people go... Or it's the hallway. Or people, people go shopping every day yes they don't yeah it's it's not like here so you don't you're not storing goods in the cupboards no you you go you go and you buy your dinner and then you go home and you cook it on kind of a daily thing in some yeah. cases if you are going to school and it's your turn to cook you might go to the store before you come home with whatever it is that you decide you want to cook that day well and, and or in and, japan in a lot of cases a lot of people eat out too well okay so in in 7-elevens Okay, yeah, so 7-Elevens, Lawson's, any sort of, like, quickie mart sort of thing, like, these are big deals in Japan. You can, you can do almost anything in these places. You can do everything from paying your apartment bill to your water bill or electric bill to getting, like, actual, like, good, good food from there, like bento boxes. And, like, uh, there is a lot of stuff you can do in these places, and they're just everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. Actually, 7-Eleven used to be originally owned here in America. It's now owned by a Japanese corporation. And so, and oddly enough, they own, they own the brand and the corporation now, actually. Oh, really? Yes. Well, that makes sense because um, in Taiwan, you, you couldn't shake a stick without hitting a, a 7-Eleven. In Taipei, you could never see less than two 7-Eleven signs on, on any particular street. Yep. Yep. Just standing in the street. And again, like, 7-Elevens are not kind of like 7-Elevens here. I mean, they're very similar in concept, but um, it's kind of more like a middle-of-the-ground, kind of like between a grocery store and kind of a uh, convenience store almost. Like, like your slightly larger 7-Elevens. Yeah, but it's uh, having been... Because I'm, I'm just sort of imagining from my experience in Taipei, mm -hmm. they weren't... Um, they they weren't a whole lot large. They were larger, but but they weren't they were, they weren't a small grocery store. No no no, not a small grocery store maybe, but like maybe like a bodega or something. Yeah maybe. yeah maybe kind of yeah. like that yeah. yeah. Um, but no yeah, Seven Elevens are everywhere in Japan. The other thing we'll find everywhere in Japan, vending machines. I've heard about this. So um, so this is actually kind of an interesting thing. Going back to the topic of. People don't like, Japanese people don't like to bother each other. Um, so there are vending machines just about everywhere in Japan. On every street corner, we could walk through like a rural area and there'll be like, there'll be like a vending machine attached to like a, to patch like a, like a street lamp. Like they're everywhere. Really? They're, yeah, they're, they're in a lot of places in Japan. Um, and they don't, don't all sell the same thing. There's a lot of variety in these machines. Um, everything from like coffee to iced coffee to beer, snacks. I've seen one that dispenses bananas and fruits. Oh, I like that. 
Um, other ones that are kind of the ones you might see at the airport where they're, or at the mall where they're dispensing like electronics maybe. Oh. Like headphones yeah. or like whole like iPads maybe. Um, so those ones do exist. Um, there are other ones that might even, you know, dispense more common items like, you know, like your toothbrush and like hair and hairbrush or stuff like that. And some that dispense underwear. Oh. Sometimes used underwear. Oh. Yeah, I know, right? Um, okay. okay. Uh, why? Again, uh, the best way I can describe it here is that Je- the Japanese culture, it's uh, Japanese people themselves are very reserved people, mostly because you don't want to bother anybody else with your right. stuff here. Like, yeah. in a lot of cases, like, I've seen, I've heard people tell me that people in Japan won't even voice an opinion at all. Uh, because they don't want to bother somebody else with their opinions. You don't want to seem opinionated. You always want to seem reserved and kind of, you know, like you won't, like if you ever were to ask somebody is like, you know, like, hey, what do you think of like this politician? They might, they would not answer that question usually. Well, and I understand it's hard to actually get people to say no. Um, when, they, when you talk about the language, they um, they actually introduce sort of, different ways to say no like if something if, if somebody said I um, uh, don't want to go to dinner with you mm-hmm. they wouldn't say that they they'd say something like oh that's that's a little bit hard yeah like the and again because they don't want to bother anybody which is also kind of, but they're very conscious of not offending the, people of and, yeah and to go back to the vending machines here is that like vending machine, like the, if you when we go through Japan, we're gonna find that the streets are very very clean. We're not gonna find a lot of garbage anywhere because kind of a social etiquette is that you don't walk and eat. If you're gonna eat, I've heard this you, that this that's really considered rude. Yeah, I mean like you don't walk and you eat eat or if you or if you're walking around you don't care you know like there's not a lot of garbage bins anywhere either. So like a lot of the garbage cans are gonna be by like right outside the Seven Eleven or by you know the vending machines because the intention is that like you don't want to walk in walk around with your food or anything or your drink because you might spill it on somebody else or um you might you know especially if you're walking around in a busy place people have to be cautious of you and that's mm-hmm. that's viewed as uh, yeah and that's viewed as um being rude to everybody being else. imposing yeah yeah um but japanese culture is also very much that you that you everyone kind of works together to get to a better place i mean if you go to school here, if you go to um, Japanese elementary school here, mm-hmm. like when you're when you get to like the f- second and third grade, you actually uh, from that point onward you start serving your fellow students food. Oh. So like the so like there'll be a cafeteria where they make all the food, they bring it into class, and then like as a rotational sort of thing, certain people will dispense the food for you. So like you'll get your rice and your in whatever else that you get for food there and somebody else will serve it to you like kind of like cafeteria style so they'll be the ones to serve you stuff that's also it even goes even further that uh, there are no janitors in schools the students clean up the hallways and clean up their classes and actually that's a good sort of, i would think that that's a good idea because it would certainly make them much more conscious of what they were doing it would make them more conscious of what they're doing a certain ownership of what it where it is that they where they study and work yeah. at um, and then at the same time, it also kind of just builds a good habit of clean, keeping yourself in your areas clean. Like, well, that's what you do at school. That's what you got to do at home. You know, like yeah. I, I've often wondered if, like, if I could find a way to 
to have like a grant to have like a school that's a K that's like a K through six mm-hmm. that's taught in a Japanese style. I think it would be fascinating experiment. Oh, it would. Yeah. yeah, if only just because like as an example, like children don't take tests until the fourth grade. That's a, that's actually a really good idea because tests are pretty pressure pressure. They, they got a lot of pressure on the on you and. Um, there's a lot of focus on le- on learning material just to get decent at it here. Like, yeah. let's just learn the material here first. And the tests really aren't any better of telling you... I always find tests kind of odd in that particular sense anyways. Because the, the test meant to say, show you whether you learned the material or not. But if you didn't really learn the material, then you have to go back and redo it. But you never go back and redo it. You have to keep moving forward. Yeah. So the test is kind of superfluous and not very useful at the end of the day if you consider the fact that that you the test is meant to tell you whether you learn the material or not and if you didn't learn the material then like you have to keep you the rest of the class keeps on going but you don't get a chance to relearn what you lo- what you didn't learn yeah kind of got to you know run even harder to get catch up yep um so yeah no i would find it fascinating to for that kind of uh for that kind of school, if just if just to see like for if just for like five years to see like how these kids you know like grew up later on like if that were if that were a thing, I'd then, what impact it had? Yeah, yeah, I would find that fascinating. Yeah, no, as, that as, would as, be really interesting. Uh, so yeah, so I mean like so there's a lot of kind of cool Japanese kind of customs and everything. Um, another one we're gonna find a lot is that we're not gonna do a lot of handshaking. I have uh, I have I have read about this as well. Yes, that they do not like. Um, they, not that they don't like touching each other, but, like, at the end of the day, it goes back to try not to bother each other. Like, your handshake might be really, really pronounced versus another person may not like, you know, holding so you, your sweaty hand, maybe. Or so you, you bow from the waist. You bow from the waist. Um, and you always try to go a little bit lower depending on your seniority. So, like, if you're, like, the head boss, you won't bow that much, but other people will be expected to bow much lower. Um, instead, mm-hmm. because you're the boss at the end of yeah. the day. Uh, business cards are also a big deal in Japan as well. You can't, you know, like they'll they'll hand you a business card with like two hands, um, and then you kind of gotta like study it for a little bit, okay? And then you put it in like you make sure you put it in a in like a in like a nice place, like a portfolio or like another business card holder, or you hold on to it. You know, you make sure that you. You know, you take care of it because it's kind of like you're passing on your soul or your identity, kind of at the end of the day. Oh, I got you a nice business card holder. Yes, I have one of those. Very and good. We have, okay. And we have business cards for the podcast. Yes, we do. I will find that odd to hand it to people in Japan, but it certainly could be fun. Could be fun. Um, so passing those are a big deal in Japan. Um, so let's talk about the language because we're both studying Japanese through audiobooks and. Um, some written material here and there. We took a class at one point. We took a class at one point, and I, I, I actually um, only took about half the class. I got really frustrated by by trying to do the the um, vocabulary and the writing at the same time. and the time. writing at the same time. Yeah, it I found lost that, me. I found that kind of difficult too because I, I felt the class itself as a one week sort of class for like an hour and a half was a. It was a good idea on paper, but the way it's being t- was taught was not the most ideal way because we're trying to do too many things at once almost. And we should say we, we took this at a language learning center, and I actually took Spanish at that same learning center for mm-hmm. um, 
for several semesters and did quite well. Mm -hmm. But I think part of the difference was that you were, um, first of all, we were learning out of a college textbook. Yes. Which, which um, so the vocabulary was different than I think what is more usable. I even have that complaint about the, the tapes we're taking, we're doing now, because I'm really don't, not going to go to somebody's, I'm not going to be invited to go to somebody's home. House, no, yeah. no. And, and so I don't really care about what, how to say that. Yeah, and, that, that's and, a kind of superfluous phrase. We're not going to really yeah. be invited to somebody else's house. There are a couple of those in, in, in that lesson plan, but I've, I've taken the use of that same series, which is Pimsleur, mm -hmm. to learn Arabic, um, to learn Egyptian Arabic, which is different than regular Arabic, Yes. Um, to learn a number of other languages and, and had success with it. So mm -hmm. I stick with what I know. But, but some of what we're learning isn't practical. I would rather have more behind in front, that sort of thing, left, right. Um, I do. I mean, I do find a lot of like the phrases. Some of the phrases that we're going through are phrases we will probably use fairly frequently. I mean, where is it? <laughs> uh, where is it? Toy de doko deska. Yeah. Um, sumimasen or excuse me, which can be used in both cases, either like, oh, I'm sorry, or hey, excuse me. Like, in well, apparently, a lot it's how you call a waiter. Yes. Because they don't just come by your table to take your order. No. No, no, no. You have to call them. Yes, you do have to call them. I'm okay, told. so we'll stick to language, and then we'll talk about strange other things we've learned. Oh, yes. Okay, so so the language um, is in a sort of a reverse order, and there are lots of ways to say things because you don't. there are a lot of things you don't say directly. So a lot of what Japanese, with language here, is a lot of kind of assumption about what it is you're talking about. So, like, if you're talking about, you know, like, so you say, uh, in the language, if you say going to eat, you know, which is tabimasu, tabimasu it's pretty much assumed that, oh, I'm going to go eat. Yeah. And unless you kind of announce, you know, Anatawa, you know, uh, unless you kind of are looking at somebody, you know, like, you know, Tabimasen ka? Tabimasen ka? And you look at them and you're like, and you're looking at somebody else, then it's, it's this assumed kind of a, a part of the language, which I think is actually like a good thing at the end of the day, because like the English language is mainly based off of kind of like noun, verb, you know, in a lot of cases. As where this other one is like verb, then noun, like noun, then verb as well, but kind of in reverse order. Well, and and I, I always like what I always appreciate in other languages is is we say I'm going to eat, and there you just say I'm eating. Yeah. And and you're you're cutting out all that all that going. Yeah, there's um, a lot of stuff you cut out, which explains a lot of the time when we when I watch a lot of Japanese animation, it always seems like they're able to say a lot of stuff in a short period of time. Which makes sense because a lot of the stuff they're saying would be cutting out some of the I's and U's and stuff like that. It's the um, kind of assumption or presumption of what you're talking about or who you're talking to. On the flip side, mm -hmm. you actually verbally uh, insert a question mark. So yes. So if you're asking somebody, if I wanted to ask you, um, do you want to eat now? I, yeah. I would say... Imataba tabe maska, and you would yeah. Tabe oh. You do it both ways. I find I find uh, that's the one Miss thing. I, so like, tabe masenka would be like, won't you? You know, won't you what, eat now? Or it, versus what, like, because there's a negative. Like, so so are you going to eat? Masen when you have that on it, it, there's a negative. Yeah. Either you're not doing something, or won't you do something? Yeah. Um, and if I just want to say, do you want to eat? Mm -hmm. It's it's just. Tabi 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 so, yeah. 
Um, but you actually have to add the ka, mm -hmm. and you don't do it with your voice inflection. Like no. we ask questions with a voice inflection. There, everything's very flat. Yes. Um, so you don't, there, there's not a lot of, um, although then you get into, to, so does ne. Yeah. And, and, and there, it, there is. And that's weird because in that one there, if you like, if you kind of linger on the a part, so does ne, like that sounds like it, to them, that's like, oh, I'm thinking about it or let me think about it. And versus if you just say it real quickly, like, so does ne, it's like, yes, it is. Yeah. And you're just like, wait, which one? Well, okay, so that whole... that one that, does imply on the inflection. Yeah, so that, it's that, that whole language bit there, which is really kind of, kind of okay, is in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is, because uh, you say ides, ides, ideska? Mm-hmm. Is it okay? Yeah. Um, that, that whole series of words are, are used with inflection and mean all kinds of things. Samima Sen is used in all kinds of ways as well. Mm -hmm. Apparently, um, based on, on several um, blogs, because uh, I, I started looking at blogs that were the most used phrases and that sort of thing. Yep. Um, and, and those are best, I find, if you look for foreigners who are telling you, people who have lived there for a year or so and are, are, are blogging about it. Yeah, I found a lot of people who, um, who've lived there for either like four or five years or ten years or something yeah. in there telling you that the most common phrases like they would be the ones that tell you the most common phrases they use all the time and they'll say sumimasen you use it all the time yes it's used for everything yeah and um and that's a word that has um and and a, a little you know you you kind of almost use that like please and thank you mm -hmm. although there's other words for that too yes. onagaishimas is thank you but it really is uh will you do me a favor please yeah. kind of like that yeah and no thank you is ie kekodes, you know, ie yeah. But if you don't have that ie on there, kekodes is like, kekodes is like, it's here, right? That kokodes is, it's here. Sokodes is, it's over there. Yeah. Okay, so as you can tell, we're struggling to learn Japanese. But the one nice thing about Japanese culture is that because a lot of their words come from a lot of, so if you've never seen the Japanese vocab you know the mm -hmm. japanese alphabet before like what's nice about it is that it's kind of it's very simple there's an a e o u a mm -hmm. kind of like there's an a e i o u sort of thing on there right and there's an extra letter that just gets added onto it so there's like a ka ki ku ke ko like sort of stuff yeah their alphabet makes no sense because none of those are like like the ko versus like the key there's nothing between those two word, those two alphabet letters that look anything similar to one another. Yeah, and that, that makes and it super hard to learn. Well, and I sat there thinking about about um, our alphabet when I was taking the class, and mm -hmm. and the only ones I could find that that looked at all alike, um, that had similar sounds were were uh, B and D, yeah. B and D, and or M and N. M and N. That's true. That's a good example. Yeah. Like it's, it's like we're fair at the end of the day. We're like if you were learning our alphabet, like why do, these letters don't look anything different, and we get the added bonus of like, oh, uh, that K sound could be a K sound or it could be a N sound as well. It's like, wait, what? So like, like there's there's apparently a lot to learning um, at an early age, um, a, a a different alphabet than your own. 
that mm. allows you to make that transition more easily. And and the person I learned that from actually was your younger brother, who uh, who went to Greek nursery school because it was offered. Yes. And um, and so learned the Greek alphabet at a very early age, and then went on to learn Cambodian Sanskrit very easily, and and even a little bit of Russian um, fairly easily because he had already learned to associate sounds with other letters um, as a, as a very young child. Mm -hmm. So. Um, Apparently that makes a difference. I found the whole thing just baffling, and I just I couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I gave up on the on the I gave up on that actually like after like I think the third week in our in classroom sort of thing because it was just like I'm not doing that. No, yeah, like, not not that I don't want to do it. It's just that for that class, I mean, and, and not to harp on the class because I think it would have been a great class if there's a class I took every other day for an hour. If well, this is a class I went to like every day or every other day, like I would feel that it would it was being drilled into me a little bit more so than like coming back a week later and hoping I remembered what I did over a week later. Well, I was trying to do it with flashcards and that sort of thing, but mm -hmm. and I think if you were doing if if you were learning it for business, you might have you might have like studied more because you you'd have you, more invested. Yeah, in it. I think yeah. So I th I think for some of the people in that class who were taking it for business purposes it probably was a really good class yeah yeah or at least a good intro i mean like that class in and of itself was a good intro into the language because now i kind of understood the, the structure and That's the alphabet true. understanding how that kind of stuff worked here like in that particular regard it was useful um but going back to the english element here um so there's basically three different types of alphabets in japan there's Hiragana, katakana, and uh, kanji. Um, now, hiragana is like the original version of the Japanese alphabet for the most part. And then we got uh, katakana, which is actually more Japanese alphabet, but they're meant to describe English words. And then you have kanji, which are basically Chinese characters that they use for Japanese words. Sometimes they're very similar. They're just plain exact words in a lot of cases. So, so part of that is the influence of China over Japan and that some words, and it's the reason for both, um, some words come from the Chinese. They're, mm -hmm. they're certainly their religion and a number of other things are, are influenced influence, mm -hmm. um, by, by China. And, this, and with English, they had to create characters for sounds that are not resident in their vocabulary, mm -hmm. but the word for restaurant, the word for hotel, the word for telephone, and a lot of those words come directly from the English. Yes, a lot. Yeah, and so like, and so what? From what I understand, and I actually got to talk to a person here just the other day because we have oddly enough an anime expo happening in downtown San Jose, it, which um, I'm sorry to be missing is Crunchyroll. Yes, I I was okay with missing this if only just because like I didn't want to have a reason to spend money on stuff like I knew I was going to get to see anyways. Yeah. Um. So. Um, so I was kind of okay with missing it. Not the end of my world. Yeah. Um, also because like that one really, really awesome, cool cosplay I really wanted to do again, but I didn't have my makeup artist for it. Yeah. Which is impressive that I have a makeup artist. Yeah, I actually am impressed. <laughs> um, but no, in Japan apparently, like learning English is very common amongst people. And so it, it's a very friendly place for people who do speak English. The one thing I've been advised by other travel blogs and the person I was speaking with here um, was very much that 
they don't quite get the pronunciation properly or the syntax correctly for English language. But if you were to say like restaurant, they'd be like, "Oh yes, right over here." Yeah. Like they they would under they could follow along because I was speaking to a woman who spoke very little English, but I was able to tell her a uh, cell phone w- one minute one moment. And she's like, "Oh, awesome!" And she was like, "Yay!" Yeah. And then when she got her phone, she was it was like it was basically like weaponized cuteness when she saw when when she saw her cell phone that she lost earlier. So um, so they don't get like. So if we were to speak English to them, they wouldn't get it. But if you were just able to say, like, hotel, and they would ask you, and then you could say, like, um, like if you said Shinjuku station, they would eventually, you know, Shinjuku train, they might be able to understand, like, oh, you want to go to the station, got it. Well, so, I actually know how to say that in, in Japanese. So yes, you know. and so, and I, and this is like the third lesson on the way or Shinjuku something. Shinjuku eki wa doko desu ka? Yeah. Or where, um, where is Shinjuku station? Yep. Yeah, and that's the other thing about the Japanese language, the was and gas. Have not gotten that down yet. I, I think I figured out part of it. Okay. Is that the wa and ga has to come after so the gas have to come after certain words if there's an if there's a vowel that comes after that. Well you just wait for the word or because you right now are being taught the word order is ka. Not like doko deska. Not like the question mark ka, mm-hmm. but the question, the ka, you, you've gotten to biuro saki, biuro ka saki, or saki. Okay, yeah, okay. So, um, that ka is a whole lot different than the word for or, mm-hmm. if you begin the sentence with or. Yes. It's a whole different. It's a whole new thing, yes. Just wait for it. Oh, I'm, I'm. I think I, it's I'm, lesson 10, I'm looking, 10. I'm looking and dreading it all at the same time. Um, yeah. Um, so trying to learn enough to get around because as I understand it, not mm-hmm. that many peop- people speak English. There are a lot of people who will understand what you say but are, are too afraid of making an error yeah. and embarrassing themselves to speak back. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to say we'll have to get very good at saying Edo ga yoko hashimasu or hashimas, which yeah. is you speak English very well. Yeah. Or, Eloga Josuja Josuja Hasina Josuja Joso Joso Hasin Hashimasin or Hashimas. Yeah, again, my my pronunciation is like trying to figure it out on the fly. Oh, oh gosh, yeah, no, I I I I'm like I I I'm I'm proud of myself when I can respond quickly. Um, oh, me too, me too. When the voice prompts so, come up, I'm just like, yeah. <gasps> I beat it, I beat it. I, I got there before them. I got yeah. there before them. Then it was yeah. right. I got it right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, I pressed the crap out of my uh, my granddaughters who were in the car and the tape was playing, oh. and I was and I was answering, and they're like, "Oh, that's so cool." So, so trying to learn the language because mm-hmm. I always like to be polite. Yes. And the things that really concern me are being able to say "Ohio gazaimas," "Konnichiwa," "Konnichiwa," "Konbanwa," yeah, like. um, and then and then being able to say "Onagashimas" and "Arigato gazaimas" and. Mm-hmm. And those things. So do, to be able to be, able be to polite. Say please and thank you. Yeah, yeah and, and excuse me. And, yeah, and I used and to have this. Polite. I used to have this whole problem when I was in when I was working by Disneyland. You'd get a lot of people who come to go visit Disneyland from other places, and you know you'd have them come from Mexico, you'd have them come from France and Germany and China and Japan and Russia, and I always felt so bad for people because these people. 
Um, we're coming all the way here, and yet none of them could speak a lick of English. Well, or we they... can't speak a lick of a whole lot of no, things. No, no, no. So... And, 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 and I feel... And, and, but, but again, I mean, like, I feel bad for them that they're having such a difficult time with the language barrier, um, which is why when I go to Japan, I want to very much be that person that... I don't want to be that person that's the... I didn't study before I came here. I just came here for fun. No, I want to. Yeah. I want to go there with yeah. some level of understanding of the language and some ability to communicate with people, if even on a rudimentary level. But I want to. Ha- but I'm. I'm literally downloading apps to make my life easier too. Like Google yeah. Translate is a really great app that is a really great app I've found right now to. Basically, you can hold it up to menus or other things. It'll translate it for you on the fly. Um, and so to help us out. Okay, so let, but let's talk about some language tools. I have found um, online, mm-hmm. um, all over YouTube, um, some really helpful things. There's First of all, there's Japan Society, which is a group run out of New York mm-hmm. that does a series of lessons, very good lessons. You learn how to go to the department store. Works for me. Um, <laughs> But um, a, a very good set of lessons. There are um, various, as we as we talked about earlier, foreigners who have um, online blogs. There's a British woman who tells you pretty quickly. She says, oh, I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but I've lived here over a year and people understand what I'm saying. And um, talks about the phrases that um, uh, They're most common. are the most common and that you need the most. Part mm-hmm. of it was her actually asking her parents when they came to visit her at the end of their visit, what did they wish they could have said? Yeah, and um, which is very useful, actually. Which is very useful. So there are a lot of tools online. Online, um, a lot free. Of people, in a lot, again, YouTube is just like a free treasure trove of like, oh. like I, I think you could almost plan an entire vacation through YouTube if you if you needed to. Like I, I imagine I could follow somebody's blog and almost recreate their entire trip or pick and pick and choose pieces from a from a travel blog too figure out what I would do. Well, do you... Okay, so do you have some favorites? Because I have some favorites. Um, the one I've watched a lot of is a gentleman um, named Chris from um, Abroad in Japan. Okay. He's a, uh, another British guy who basically... Uh, or another British guy who basically said, well, I'm just going to go live in Japan. And just found... Just plopped himself in Japan. Didn't speak a lick of the language going in. Couldn't read it at all. But just decided, oh, well, I'm just going to go live in Japan for... To, for a year or two, and then has ended up living in there for like five, six years now. Well, there are um, a lot of there are a lot of um, English speaking people who go to Japan, mm-hmm. where where they're native Eng- English speakers, who go to Japan to teach English because yes. it's a very profitable thing to do there. Mm-hmm. I've considered doing it on multiple occasions. Yeah, so so it's it's a thing. Um, I I like a guy I found named Paulo. Um, and Paulo is American, but of Japanese descent, mm-hmm. and he is now married to a Japanese woman, he li- and he lives in Tokyo. He's been there for like 15 years, right? Yes. 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 You have met Paulo too. Yes, I have seen a number of his videos. He've, he's the one where I saw the um, Starbucks at, right afterwards. After I think you linked it, and then I saw his video on it. I was like, oh, that's probably where mom figured it out from. That, that actually maybe who turned me on to that, because he did a nice walking video through... Um, Kyoto. Kyoto. Yes. He does a very nice video, he and his cousin, um, where they compare things that you see in, so- in uh, Osaka and, and things you see in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, and which one they like better. Mm-hmm. 
So they like Tokyo Sea better than they like um, uh, Universal, which is apparently in Osaka. Yes. In a, there, yeah. So there's Universal Studios in Osaka, and then there's uh, Disney's Tokyo Sea in Disneyland in uh, up by Tokyo. And they talk actually about about Disneyland versus Disney Sea, and Disney Sea is apparently the more adult. Disney Sea is the one that we're gonna go do because it because it looks the coolest, and it, it I, sounded a lot like a California Adventure versus Disneyland. Yeah, um, if only just because I've been to a Disneyland before and. I don't, I don't need to go to another Disneyland or a right. Japanese take right. on that. I want to see some... I, I'm a little old for Dumbo. I'm okay with Dumbo. Especially when it breaks. And the yeah, Disney yeah. police come out to yeah. hijack your film. That was cool. Um, but no, again, I mean, for me, I, I've everybody that I've ever read about or seen about has said, if you have to go to one theme park in your life, Dis- Tokyo Sea is the one to go to. Apparently it's the best themed. If you're a Disney fan, it's amazing. It's like, it's... It's everything in a Disney park you would ever want, and that's why I'm super excited to go to that one. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about what we know about Japan going into this here. We've talked about a lot of like the culture, uh, kind of like the um, cultural sort of uh, ethics of people and kind of stuff like that here. Like, what do you know before we're going to Japan? Like, what do you know about the culture and the people, or I mean, not necessarily the people, but maybe about things about Japan? Okay. So again, I did I did the audio book. It was a long book, mm-hmm. um, like thirty hours, I think. Mm-hmm. But well, okay, I commute, um, so it works. I, I commute, and I also, uh, you know, go to the gym every morning. So, you know, I had time to do that. Um, I thought that was really helpful because I understood the history, understood where the castles came from, and and um, yeah, a lot of them are actually just rebuilt yeah. from like four hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah, because again, they have earthquakes and and uh, fires, fires. And wars and, yeah, yeah. And, and wars lots of wars um it don't necessarily think of them as a warful people although you know pearl harbor would teach you otherwise but um but yeah um didn't know that much before starting our podcast actually the podcast has taught me a lot um mm-hmm. in terms of of um watching the watching the anime seeing the manga um so I've learned a lot from from that process because those are very reflective of the of, of the culture of the and culture. the people and the things happening. There. I think um, I'm excited that we're staying in um, traditional Rio cans. Yes, I, that was one of those things that I didn't want to stay in just traditional hotels. We can stay in a life. hotel anywhere. Yeah, yeah, we can stay in a hotel anywhere. Um, plus, hotels tend to be a lot more expensive by comparison, I guess, or at least Western hotels versus Rio cans. Um, Again, like I don't think I'm paying more than a hundred dollars a night for some of these hotels. Um, it, in some cases, I think one of them is like seventy-five bucks a night. I know our capsule hotel is like just barely sixty bucks a person. Okay. So like, it's kind of cool in that particular respect. And I'm, yeah. I, I mean, when I'm there, I want to get the full Japanese experience. I don't want to get an edited version of it. I want to get the full experience as much as possible. Well, and I could stay in a Western hotel any, 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 anywhere. Um, yeah. You know, my best, my best, most favorite things have been when I've been able to stay um, someplace traditional. Yeah. So, and, and mind you, I work in hotels, so like the fact that like I want to, the fact that I don't want to be in another in in another hotel is kind of emblematic of that in a, in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what if? Um, what else do you? What have did you? Have you learned about Japan going forward here? Like. 
Okay. Like Japanese railways are a big deal. Oh, I got our rail passes. So we yes. got we got J uh, JR passes mm-hmm. um, to be able to take the rail. And there's a, a green. I got us green car passes, which are first class. Yep. And then we might want to get um, a Silica pass while we're there, which are kind of like metro trains versus JRs are like the big major tra- trains to get us around the city. Yeah, do you, do you have to get the silicon passes um, f- just get, for Tokyo or, or? No, like different places we'll use them like Osaka and Kyoto and then um, around in Tokyo as well probably. Okay. Um, but we can pick them up, but we, they're very easy to pick up there apparently. Um, from, from what I've heard, they're very easy to pick up there. You don't need to get them ahead of time. Um, we also have a Wi-Fi router that uh, we can pick up when we're at Osaka. Um, that will basically give us Wi-Fi access for our phones while we're out and about in Japan. That sounds dynamite. Yeah, it's yeah. about nine. It's about I think nine bucks a day. Well, see, and my and my thing with that is really being able. There's so many times when I wish I could be using um, Google Maps. Yep. Google Maps or to be able to walk around and and because I I don't usually get a SIM card for my phone. Um, no, I would I wouldn't either. I'm actually um, very much uh, very much not going to be using my phone for anything other than maps and yeah in the phone aspect and messaging ap- ap- element of my phone will be like nope yeah yeah although like I think we could communicate. well I usually turn cellular data off me too yeah yeah I mean like. When I'm in another country, there's no, it's not really of use to me at all. Yeah, can't use it anyways. Yeah, and, well, unless I want unless I want just massive roaming charges and yeah. somebody tried to call me from around the world to be like, um, I was asleep. Yeah, but I don't think I'll have that problem. Yeah. So, um, so, um, in terms of what I know, very little. Um, I have friends who have been to Japan recently, and mm-hmm. that so that really intrigues me, um, because I've seen um, pictures from their trips. Uh, culturally, it's been an interesting thing to to learn about because it is different. Yes. Um, one of the things they do know, there a bunch of things you don't do. Um, their whole their whole video blogs on not what not to do. Oh, yes. You don't wipe your nose or blow your nose in public. Nope. You don't talk on trains. Don't talk on trains. Um, as you mentioned, you don't shake hands. Um, you, don't, you don't put. You don't. Uh, you don't like do a whole lot of certain stuff with chopsticks. Like you don't put them face down in a bowl of rice because that's for ceremonial death purposes. Standing, also, yeah. You also don't pass stuff from chopstick to chopstick either. Although I don't know a whole lot of places that do that to begin with. I find that kind of weird. You don't share food. Um, no, it's not that you don't share food, but you don't share it using chopsticks. Okay. Because that's they do that with bones in Japan as well. Um, as part of the funeral. As part of the funeral, funeral yeah. yeah. Um, you also don't want to rub them together because it's kind of like telling the owner that he bought bad... Cheap, port, cheap, cheap, cheap splintery chopsticks. Which probably still might be that anyways. Yeah. Um, oh, we don't have to tip either. We don't have to... Yes, that's right. We don't have to tip. Yes, the extra... But sometimes there might be hidden costs that they don't tell you about right away. Like table there's a t- There's a table fee. Yes, like a table cost, yeah. Yeah. So there's a table fee. Um... So, so it's been there have been a number of interesting sort of things. Things are done differently there mm-hmm. um, than they are here. Um, a lot of our, our um, hotels come with breakfast. Yes. Breakfast is a big meal there. Yes, because um, in Japan, like breakfast is a real big deal. It's because the notion that you want to go out on a full stomach, you're going to go out and work all day long. 
versus like lunch is like a very like kind of like light meal in a lot of cases and that might be just as much as like a sandwich or a piece of bread or some sort of like juice or something like it's not a big deal and then dinner is a big deal as well okay so um but i, I mean at worst i mean like and, and and again like when i say breakfast is a big deal it's like a four or five course thing yeah like, it's almost like dinner at the end of the day on a certain level i'm down for that i'm i'm surprised to see what i'm surprised to see how that would work yeah i'm curious i'm curious to see how that work and if not i mean like there's a number of like french cafes that serve america you know just a typical american style breakfast if you wanted to go if we want to do that too um uh what are some things i know about japan um so public transportation is a very big deal in Japan. A lot of people don't own cars, because obviously it would take up a lot of space if everyone owned a lot of cars. So not a lot of people own cars outright. They might know how to drive, but they don't own a car, so you might rent one in a lot of cases. Um, we think of Japan as like, you know, when you think of like crime in Japan, you think of like the Yakuza, mm -hmm. you know, which is kind of like the Japanese mob and mafia. Um, but it's not, um, but in general, when it comes to crime in Japan, like that is not a very common thing in Japan. I've been told it's extremely safe. Yeah. People, I've, I've heard stories of people leaving their car running for like 10, 15 minutes with the keys in it. Like literally like it's yeah. puttering in the, in the parking lot while somebody goes into a Seven Eleven and then jumps back out and then drives off. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, if you did that here in America, is kiss your car goodbye quick. Yeah. Like you, like, like I go into the, I, I go to, like I'm having it literally gassed up right there, and I, like, I keep an eye on my car in case somebody just wants to pull out the nozzle and start filling up their car with my, yeah, with the gas I'm paying for. I was like, but no, that not a big deal in Japan. Um, but public transportation again, big deal in Japan. You might have somebody who like literally commutes an hour to and from work every day via the via public transportation. Yeah. Um, I know, so depending on what high school you might go to, you might end up traveling at least 45 minutes to an hour to get to your high school because your high school is a big deal. It kind of sets you up for whatever you're doing next in a lot of cases. Yeah. So if you go to like a local call high school, you might just be going there for the local stuff versus if you go to a high school that's further away, you might be going there for like a football, like a, not a football, excuse me. Well, actually, no, probably a football kind of school thing there or you might be going there for whatever kind of the class is there for okay so okay so this is one of the things that did surprise me they play football they do play okay when we say football we have to make a distinction between soccer and football for us americans at least are they playing soccer when they say football yes oh okay i had not understood that okay no no yeah no football football as, as we know it in the rest of the world again they still call it soccer is known as football the rest of the world here in the states, when we think of football, we think of you know American style gladiatorial football. Well, see, um, and, and and I don't think of, of Japanese as playing soccer, but I guess that's wrong. Nope, again, very popular sport there. Okay. Um, but also, there are some schools that do play football as well. They're not common, but they okay. do exist. Okay. Um. Let's see. What else do I know about Japan? Um. Oh, I know so much. I'm, I'm so excited to go. I really am. I am too. I, I, I mean, the things, the things that that intrigue me. I'm really excited to see Akihabara and, and some of those things. Mm -hmm. And we, I, mean, I guess next week we'll talk about actual places we're going. Yep. 
but um, I think a lot of the things that intrigue me are, are sort of this this um, old world, new world thing. You have temples, yeah. and then you have lots of skyscrapers, lots of towers, mm-hmm. lots of lots so, of like new world stuff that's yeah. either built into old stuff or or new stuff that's built for the purpose of old stuff. In the sense mm-hmm. that, like, you might have the state of art factory designed to make like to make sake as an example. But you still make it in a very traditional way. You're just using like more modern machinery to do it. You still go shift, shifting through the rice, and you're still doing all this other stuff with it here. Um, or in the sense that again, like our Starbucks example here, it's an old building that's been renovated to be a Starbucks. At the end of the day, so it's still trying to promote the culture and the heritage and look of the of the area without having like this obtrusive sort of Starbucks yeah. kind of in the middle of there. But it, and also maintaining the experience where you're still sitting on a on a mat in a garden or upstairs in a, in a mm-hmm. tea house. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there. that's there. Um, so let's talk about some of our special travel knowledge. What, what are some of our tips and tricks when we travel? Okay, so um, my thing is you can wash stuff out. So mm-hmm. buy, buy, bring whatever clothing that you can wash out because um, we need to travel light yes we're and which is why we're in backpacks um i find a 60 liter backpack can get me through two weeks because i'll bring four pairs of pants six shirts mm-hmm. we're there for 14 days i figure i'll be i'll have some chance to rinse things out um ziploc bags um you know, I used to be a big believer in packing cubes, and I still have packing cubes. Yes, I have um, some of those packing cubes. Yeah. So, um, and I and I like the packing cubes, but zip, Ziploc bags. If you haven't made that investment, um, the two-gallon Ziploc bags will do you just as well. Oh no, yeah, no, I definitely plan on having one of those for just my uh, toiletries at bare minimum. Yeah. So yeah. So a, 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 z- a Ziploc bag will do you well. Um, always, always, always comfortable shoes. I give a damn what they look like, although I'm usually like quite the shoe girl. So um, one thing we do need to know about shoes is that when we go to Japan, we need to have shoes that are easy to get on, on and, and off. off. Because a lot of places in Japan, um, again, you don't want to bother anybody by tracking dirt through their house or through their place of business. So you would take your shoes off and you would put on uh, kind of like an everyday sort of like slipper that you would walk that would you, yeah, you would walk around in instead. Well, and, and one of the things that, that I've read, and, and so I, I actually bought socks, um, is, you know, most of my socks are athletic socks, but mm-hmm. um, there are lots of places where you slip off your shoes and, and it's considered polite to walk in socks. Yes. So um, so I actually bought some new socks. Yes, I have, uh, I have a bunch of athletic socks, too. Um, so I will, and I was going to bring my bands because I can literally, like, slide those on and off super quickly. Yeah, so I'm and I'm wearing slip-ons as well. I'm not wearing any lace-up shoes. I wanted to wear lace-up shoes because I thought it'd be more comfortable. My fans are pretty darn comfortable most days, anyway. So. Yeah. Oh, and we'll say and like and when put, put like an extra lining sole in it here for shock absorption. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's exactly that sort of thing. I have certain types of shoes that I really like, and I'll I'll bring extra soles for them, mm-hmm. um, so that I can I can endure the the level of walking because even though she might be comfortable all day in the office it's not the same as walking on asphalt or or concrete all day yeah no that would be a big difference yeah so so always 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 comfortable shoes um uh 
chargers always know what your you know simple things like always know if you need a power converter which we do have yes I, the power converter um, I have uh, ordered a um, I have ordered I, I've ordered a charging block from Amazon oh okay because I have one I have, I have one too okay well, we might have multiple devices that we might need to charge here. Too. Well, because you have cameras, you have phones, you have, I have iPads. Um, Watches. Um, I'm going to bring my uh, Surface with me. Yeah. Because I think that it, I love my Surface so much. It's such a, I love this thing so much. I really do. But, I mean, the things I find that I don't, that I, I, in the past, have brought and haven't really used mm -hmm. um, have been um, lotions and potions and all of that stuff. Um, you're, you're in a, in a, first world country mm -hmm. which for me isn't always true that's true um but you're in a first world country and if you need if you need advil you can go get advil um oh, yeah. so going light on on um, those kinds of things mm -hmm. um i think pays off because again we're having to travel light if you if you're having to sport a backpack around and i read an article that, that was talking about um, they don't like rolling luggage in Japan because it um, can track dirt on the ground. Yeah, it tracks dirt on the ground, and um, it also can be in other people's way. Other people have to watch out for you. Mm -hmm. Well, because you I mean if you're if you're dragging a bag along, in a lot of cases, you know that that's sometimes an extra person or two people that you have to kind of watch out for in either kind of way. That's a lot of space, especially. And especially on trains where they might cram you into those trains. Um, so, so you know, when I look at, at, you know, packing, it's a different kind of packing. Mm -hmm. Because I, I'm really not going to sport more than a 40-pound backpack. I, um, more than that is, for my 62-year-old body, a little much. So oh, I wasn't planning on going with anything more than a 30-pound backpack. Because I know when I get home, it's going to be like 50 pounds. Well, and that, so that's the other part of it. The other thing is... There are a number of people who make them. Um, I have a Kiva mm -hmm. um, zip out duffel bags to bring stuff home in. And and really, um, we've saved Tokyo for our last spot. Yeah, where we're hopefully, at that point, we'll start buying stuff because we don't want to be carrying around with us the entire trip. Yeah, so so the whole thing for me will be to resist buying things. Oh, that's going to be impossible. Um, I, it, I'm actually probably only go to, going, I'm intentionally only going there with like, five shirts with the intention of probably getting at least two or three more while I'm there. It, it you know, cause I just, I just, it's, I've never gone, I've never gone to a convention and not bought like one or two shirts while I'm there at a convention. And so like, I find that just the easiest way to just pack two shirts with me and I'm there for four days. Um, I came with one shirt. I have two more shirts packed. I'm usually not in those shirts for very long cause I'm usually in a costume in most cases. Yeah. Um, but even then, I mean, like, I go to the go to the floor, and I'll always at least be able to find at least two or three, if not like a half dozen shirts I want to buy in most cases. So probably we'll find that there in Japan. Um, some funky English, hopefully, as well. I always enjoy the funky English. Well, again, I mean, like, or English is English as they might call them in Japanese, um, because again, I mean, the syntax with Japanese language here will have English words on it to make it seem like cool and you know foreign on a certain level but like the the syntax and the way it's described is not the exact way it oh should. one of my favorite was was in in peru where rather than saying exit it said escape <laughs> i liked that I, I, have, I have pictures of that i want that i want that now i think that's a yeah. much better way is like no no this is not the exit this is the escape. escape it's the escape i think that's i 
uh, that's a much better way of doing it. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, I, I probably will end up with buying things prior, but but I'm really going to try to hold out till Tokyo because at that point we can check two pieces of luggage on mm-hmm. the way back. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I figure we're checking one going and two on the way back. I was I was worried I might have to pack a box. Well, you know that's always a possibility. So when you when we come back to Japan, is there anything in particular you're trying to find in Japan at least uh, outside of the Pokemons? Outside of the Pokemons and, and Kit Kat bars. I have, yes. I have requests for Kit Kat I have, bars. I have requests for Kit Kat bars as well. Okay. Um, for myself, I I um, would like a traditional Japanese tea set. Okay. That would be something I'd like. And if I could find a really cool kimono, that'd be nice. Ooh, you'd certainly find those. Um, I'm about the nerd stuff here. Like, I would love to find something from Evangelion if I could find something from there. Um, something from Gundam would be just as cool. Um, which I'm sure I'll find a lot of stuff like that um, while I'm there anyways. I mean, I'm going to try to obviously limit my nerdy sort of buying stuff there. Um, I know for, like, at least three or four of my bosses, I want to try to find some cool kind of thing while I'm there. And then... Um, one of the things that they have in um, in kind of spades are kind of like um, charms, like good luck charms and things uh-huh. like that for like, you know, good work or something like that here, like or you know, good luck on a test or good luck with like a birth or good luck with uh, you know work things like that. Like I want to I want to get a, find a couple of those to be able to give to my uh, colleagues at work. I understand there's a cute. They even have a word for it. Uh, a cuteness explosion that they, like their whole things over cute kawaii kawaii exactly yeah so kawaii is the word for like cute i guess or it's like really cutie or something like that yeah so there's all sorts of those things that are are really unique to to japan that you can oh yeah purchase yeah japan has figured out a great way to weaponize cuteness well i mean it, it's sort of like hello kitty on steroids oh yeah well, it's, it's, it's the people that came up with Hello Kitty. Yeah. Yep. So, um, oh yeah, no. So again, I, there's a lot of cool stuff I'm looking for in Japan and a lot of fun stuff I just want to see in general. Um, I'm looking for just the experiences at the end of the day. I'm, I'm super excited to try the food and to realize that, no, I do not like this. I do not like eel. I can live with that now that I've had it. You know, like, I'm we're, okay we're, with that. We're, eat, we're eating eel? We could eat eel. We could eat octopus as well. Octo- the octopus balls are supposed to be uh, oh, yes. amazing. Oh, yes. That's in Osaka. Yes, yes. That We will be eating those. Okay, so in Osaka, there's a street, Tomburi. With, Tomburi Street, yep. Yep. They're supposed to have just amazing signs. Oh, yeah. Animated, huge signs. Mm-hmm. But we'll um, talk about that next week. We'll talk about that next week. We'll want to do that. Oh, yeah. Um, I have, um, I've been loaded up with a list of Pokemon. <laughs> that I'm supposed to buy? I know when I'm there, when if I'm doing Pokemon, I have Pokemon Go. It's the only place you can find, like, two or three different Pokemon. I've been told about that, too, but if I do it on my phone, will I be able to transfer them? If you're good friends with other people, yes, you can. Okay. So. How, how does it know if I'm good friends with other people? Um, will you uh, trade friend items uh, with them consistently for, like, three or four months to eventually become good friends? Okay. Yeah. Because I've, I've been told, I've been asked, not told, well, yeah. Um, I've been asked to, to Pokemon Go while I'm there to collect things that you can't get anyplace else. Yeah, I, 
I'll I'll try to I'll be doing it while I'm there. But again, I mean, like I don't know how well it'll do with the location function. Well, okay, so so I, I traveled um, on one of the women's travel groups. Somebody brought their millennial daughter, who um, who had Pokemon Go and was constantly wherever we were, all over Vietnam, mm-hmm. um, and and Laos and Cambodia, um, picking up uh, and and so excited to be doing it, picking up Pokemon. Mm-hmm. She taught me the trick with panoramic pictures of getting yourself in both ends of the picture. Oh, what is that? Oh, okay. So, so you have somebody taking a panoramic picture, mm-hmm. and you start out on the the uh, left hand side of the picture, mm-hmm. and then while they're scrolling across, you run like hell behind them, and then go get on the other side. Oh, huh. well, that makes and, sense. And then you get to be on both ends of the picture. Oh yeah. Um. Oh yeah, no. Super excited for this trip here. Can't wait. Can't cannot wait to go. Um, but I think that'll do it for us this week. Okay. Next week we're going to talk about what we're going to see in Japan. I'm excited because I don't know. Well, you're not. You're not going to know. You're not going to get to know everything. But we're going to talk about some of the areas that we're going to be visiting. Okay. Uh, we've got about uh, five major places that we're going to. Yep. Five different city. Five different cities or areas. Um, Which is kind of nice because we've got a full two weeks. So that means that we're in a lot of places for um, two or three days, days at a time. Yeah. Yep. Which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and that was intentional. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, we'll talk about more about what we're going to see while we're in Japan, and we'll go a little over that next week. Okay. Um, but for this week here, thank you so much for listening with us. We recommend you to visit our website at nerdtutorialpodcast.com for all of our show notes and podcasts. You can visit us on Facebook as well at facebook.com forward slash nerdtutorialpodcast. And hey, if you have any ideas about what we should do in Japan or any sort of additional thoughts on anything we should be doing while we're there or anything we should know before we go there because we would really love that too. Um, hit me up on nerd underscore tutorial online on Twitter and so that way you can tell me what I need to know or if I made any mistakes anywhere along the way. But otherwise, we'll see you guys again next time and thanks for listening to us. Bye. Bye.